What's going on, film family? Before we get started, I want to talk to you about something, and that's Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Hold on, let me explain. First, it's free. There's creation tools that let you record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many more places. And you can also make money from your podcast. I know that's the part that's the part that everyone's going to like. You can make money with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Let's get to the show. What's going on ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of The Film Frequency. I am one of your hosts, Mr. Hayes is in the building and no JB this week. And I know this episode is like a week late and I do apologize. So JB went on vacation, a much deserved vacation, I must say. Um, and I was supposed to hold down the fort. Unfortunately, the day after uh, JB went out of town and I got back from a trip to Dallas, my son got the flu and it just completely threw off the schedule. So I do apologize that this episode is coming late to you guys. But fear, fear not. I know this week was supposed to be a double episode week. We were supposed to get a review of the Invisible Man. And the Keeping It Real episode where we talk about the news from the movie uh, Landscape. And we're going to just combine it all together into one big episode. And hopefully you guys enjoy it. So we're going to go ahead and get right into the news to start off. And the first news that we got um, that we're going to talk about today is actually uh, the new James Bond film got pushed back. And this is the last one with Daniel Craig. It got pushed back from, I believe it was supposed to come out in April. It got pushed back to November. Um, and... That is normal. I think James Bond movies actually usually do come out in, in November anyway. Uh, don't quote me on that. So if it is pushed back, well, it is being pushed back um, to a more acceptable time that it that it usually comes out. So no big deal there. I think that is going to, you know, I mean, I don't really think it's going to hurt. The, the hype around this one and the fact that, you know, it's his last movie. I don't think it's really going to matter when they drop it. People are going to people who are diehard James Bond fans and fans of Daniel Craig are going to see it regardless. I think Daniel Craig has maybe a whole new audience after um, the film he did with Ryan Johnson. I'm losing. I'm at a loss for the name of it right now. Um, uh, but oh, uh, Knives Out. Yeah, crazy. Um, but so, uh, yeah, I, I don't really think this is going to hurt the movie long term. You know, as concerns of coronavirus get stronger and stronger, we may see more movies pushed back. Um, and for one like this, like I said, I don't really think it's going to hurt it too, too much. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but we shall see. Right. Um, but moving into the next bit of news that we have, the we got some more uh, pictures coming out from the newest Batman movie. I think it's tentatively titled right now, The Batman. Don't know if that's just going to be a working title or if it's going to stick. And this one was more so about the Batmobile. So we got it from like three different angles. And <laughs> it's been like a mix on social media between that they love it, between that they hate it. Um, you know, people have even compared it says it has a real like feel to the um, Adam West TV show, uh, the Batmobile from there. And my thoughts on it are this. This movie is supposed to be like, well, there's been speculation that it's going to be based off like year one. And it's the Batman starting off. And when you think about it, while, yes, in the um, the Christian Bell movies, we got the Tumblr and it was really something that wasn't designed to be a Batmobile. He just repainted it, took it from R&D. But if, if they're going the route of a of a year one with this one and it's a Batman, a younger Batman who's starting out on his own, it's going to like it, it looks like a muscle car that's been souped up. 
And if we really, if they're going to try to make this as realistic as possible, at least um, for it to be something that really does look like it was just like a, a Mustang or something that he converted over and, and, and decked out. It really, it, to me, it makes sense. And I'm not against it at all. I, I, I definitely think that they're separating themselves from Batman movies before we got a little bit of the bat suit in these pictures as well. And it looks a little different from what we've the the leaks that we got of him on a motorcycle. It looks a little a little less armored in my opinion than that. Now it's it's completely zoomed out, so um, it's not like it's up close or anything. It, it, that could just be my mind working, but you know maybe we get multiple bat suits in this. Um, maybe he wears a more armored up version because he's on a motorcycle in case he falls off. Who knows? Or maybe he's going into a big battle on that one. Um, I, I'm really excited for this movie, and, I'm, and I like the fact that they're really making this uh, different. And even in the bat suit, like you know, there's speculation that it was made from pieces of a gun that hasn't been confirmed or not anything. But this really does look like for someone who is rich and famous and says, "I'm going to start fighting crime." For everything that we've seen so far, from the suit and the bat car, the Batmobile, it 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 looks part of the course there. So I'm I'm really excited for this. Um, I really think that this Batman movie is going to surprise a lot of people. And for people who only know Robert Pattinson from Twilight, because there are still a lot of people who haven't seen Good Time, who haven't seen some of the other movies that he's done, and that he's really become a very solid and really good actor, I think they're going to be su completely surprised by this role. And I think he's going to shut uh, shut it down. I really, for anyone who's disappointed in this, uh, in him being cast, I think he's going to completely shut those haters up. And I think this movie is going to do really good. And I really hope that this sets uh, the tone for a new a new uh, DC universe. Not to like they're going to do away with Aquaman or, or Wonder Woman or anything, but I really think Batman is is their key character. There's been more Batman movies than almost any other movie from uh, any other character from the DC universe. You know, right up there with Superman. But some of those Superman movies are we, we're just going to act like they don't exist. But they need to get Batman right. And we have Henry Conville as Superman. Is he still going to be? We don't know. But if Robert Pattinson shuts it down, I do think that it's going to really let them know what they can continue doing. It's different when you have a character like Aquaman do a billion. It's different when you have a character like Woman, Wonder Woman. Yes, those are iconic characters, too. But Batman is their guy. And if they can get this right, we're going to keep seeing DC movies and hopefully they, they keep up the quality. So I'm really looking forward to this one. Um, But yeah, enough on that one. Let's get into the next bit of news. So this one is like multi-layered. So we didn't get a chance to talk about it. So it turns out in The Rise of Skywalker, Palpatine is actually a clone, right? Uh, This came out in uh, the novelization of of the last uh. I'm sorry, The Rise of Skywalker. It was kind of leaked at first, and I think people are getting their pre-orders now. So that detail came out. It was like, uh, okay, that's weird. I wish they would have said it in the movie. But then all this other stuff has come out since then. So not only is he a clone, uh, we got, we got like, it's official now that as Palpatine was dropping down uh, in the Death Star, he transferred his spirit into an unfinished clone, which that raises all type of questions. If they, If it is a clone, why did he still have the scars and look the way he did because of the force lightning? Like they couldn't perfect it. A whole bunch of questions there. But without all that being taken into consideration, so Ray's father was actually, according to this novelization, also a Palpatine clone, one that was disappointed because he didn't have any powers. Again, if the body has to have powers, what's the part of the soul? Well, many chlorines. Let's not talk about that. So this this Ray's father is a clone of Palpatine um, and an imperfect one. That's why he was on the run. And they have just made this so convoluted. And I know they're trying to unify it. And I know there was a lot of disappointment and they're trying to set things up and maybe course correct what they can 
with the novelization and it's just i i hate what they did with star wars and kathleen kennedy uh, who runs lucasfilm is by all means i think she, like even sylvan steven spielberg has said She's one of the greatest uh, producers of all time. Um, and it, it's they just didn't have a plan. And I think ultimately that's what's most disappointing. As I liked all three of the sequel trilogy movies for different reasons. But what I can say is that even though I liked all three of the movies, the story that was told over the three of those was not cohesive at all. Could have been much better. Um, I think that if they would have sat down and planned it out what they wanted the, tri the, the trilogy to tell and then let kind of the directors and the writers who come in kind of color that in and take little liberties where they can but to really have this thing where they didn't have a set story and each director was going to come in and really do whatever they want to i know a lot of people are blaming ryan johnson and to say the last jedi is really what course corrected but the thing is is that if jj abrams knew he ultimately wanted to bring palpatine back we needed to see more seeds planted to that even with like snoke snoke is also was created by palpatine so was snoke a palpatine clone as well that went left like it's just it raises more questions than fixes what was told in the movies and that's what bothers me as a fan of star wars more than anything else is that they just they they dropped the ball here in a lot of different ways and i know we're getting uh new star wars films they're coming uh there's rumor to that there's one going to be announced here pretty soon and i hope overall if they're if uh, if they're not going to do the let's just tell a good movie and let's see where we go from there if they're going to do a whole nother trilogy set in a different part of the universe or early on in the high republic or whatever they decide to do just sit down and plan it out one of the best things and i hate to just always compare everything to marvel and what kevin feige was able to do but kevin feige as the guy there knew where he wanted the stories to go and yeah they called some audibles they had to fix some things they had to course correct some things but because they had the overarching plan it was easier to course correct and to fix things and to stay in their own continuity and not mess things up and leave us satisfied by the stories and marvel what the mcu did was amazing it was not perfect we we because it worked we have this habit of looking at it like it was all perfect there were a lot of storylines in the marvel universe that were set up the leader for one and are uh, mentioned that just did not go anywhere yet but because they have told such cohesive stories you get the benefit of the doubt from us more times or not or if they if they may pick that up or they did this for a reason or maybe it'll be picked up in a disney plus show like we don't have that same trust in lucasfilm and what they're doing with the star wars franchise i hope that they can course correct because it's one of the best franchises of all time that's undeniable you can't deny the fact that star wars is one of the best franchises of all time and one of the most bankable and they're going to always make money on it but i don't want to see them rely on just that and i want to see some great storytelling actually told in this please please let that happen let's just let's let's get this shit together let's let's get it together lucasfilm if you look i know kathleen kiddie said they don't have source material which was bullshit but there's this whole bunch of novels that are now legends that told some cohesive stories so you guys probably could use some of those if 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 you're just that's if you're having trouble telling a cohesive story that that i'm gonna leave i'm gonna leave that there and see if you guys agree with it or not um another just a couple of other things and news that i want to talk about so the last of us which is one of my favorite games uh, on the playstation of all time really looking forward to the last of us 2 it's apparently getting a series over on hb um <laughs> HBO. God, I almost said HBC. That would have just set the world on fire. But on HBO, it's supposed to be getting in the series, and I couldn't be excited for this. I think um I don't want to say that it's because of it, because a lot of the times these things are talked about beforehand uh and discussed and planned long before they're announced. 
But with The Witcher coming on Netflix and it getting the acclaim that it did, hopefully it starts showing these uh, networks that there is a built in audience for some of these video game properties. And a lot of these video games are told in such a cinematic way anyway and, and narratively that it's easy to adapt into specifically TV and not just a movie. Like when you look at like video game movies, it's because they try to fit in so much in the hour and a half to two hours that they have. But when you look at breaking that down up into a series over five, eight or 10 episodes, it gives you time to actually flesh it out a little bit more and build to certain things. And I think The Last of Us is a perfect thing for that. We've seen what The Walking Dead did at its heights. I know it's coming down now, but for it to be on HBO and be able to hopefully keep that gritty feeling and keep the style from the movie, I think that it's a perfect way and a perfect place for a show like this. And I hope that they pay it respect. I hope that they get the writers from the video game to have at least a say so in in the in the show as well. I don't know if they have that bit of the news. I have not seen if they've if they've spoken on that or not yet. But The Last of Us, if you have not played it, play it if you're a gamer. Uh it's one of those games that I would almost say it's worth getting a PlayStation for that Uncharted and God of War alone just to be able to go into those series if you don't have one. So, that's just my opinion on it. I I I I can't wait to talk to JB about it because I, I think he played Last of Us as well. I know he's played the Uncharted series. I can't remember if we talked about Last of Us or not. So JB, if you're listening to this on your way home, let me know if you uh what you feel about it. Let listeners, watchers, let us know how you feel about it as well. And we'll see. I um yeah. I, I'm really I got really excited. Really excited when I uh when I read the news because it's just like I'm I, I'm such a gamer. Like I know, like over my podcast and my different podcasts that I have, I got on an Awakened Soul shirt now available at thebreaksmedianetwork.com. Shameless plug. But um, I uh I I I am such a video game fan. It's one of the things that I don't get to talk about on really any of my podcasts very much. But I I also know that I want to see these stories told uh in live action. And you know what? Even if some don't work live action, I'm all for animated uh, video game movies as well because I think that that can take away. A lot of the issues that we've had um, so far as well. But uh, just one more thing that I want to talk about from the, from the, the, the news world. We get a lot of, the, of Fantastic Four rumblings now, um, especially with The Quiet Place 2 coming out and Krasinski and his wife, Emily Blunt. Uh, people want to see them cast as Reed Richards and the Invisible Woman. <laughs> um, and so uh, this is I think like. All of this coming out and being as much as what it was, I think we're going to get an announcement soon. Uh, and by soon, I don't mean like within the next 30 days. I mean, probably within the next six months, uh, we'll probably be getting an announcement on uh, the Fantastic Four. And I really hope they do hire Krasinski. I think he'll be perfect as Reed Riches. And you don't have to worry about chemistry when you hire a husband and wife to play husband and wife. Now, you do kind of run into trouble if they happen to get divorced. We're not going to speak that onto their life. What am I saying? I'm going to shut the hell up about that. Um... But I, I do think that, the, that these are two uh, actors, actors and actress that would do really good in those roles. And I don't know about Krasinski directing it or not. I know he's a very capable director and he's a good director. But, you know, when you also star and, and direct a movie, especially at the level of, of like what Marvel wants to do, it's different with like A Quiet Place, a movie that nobody kind of expected to be as good as what it was. Um, but at that that level it can cause some stress for some people. And we, and we seen people kind of buckle under the pressure. I would want, I, I either let him direct it or let him star in it. That's just my opinion. I know people are going to uh, disagree with me on that one there, but that's it for the news. That's it. We're going to get into the invisible man. And Adrian, he was a sociopath. He said that I could never leave him. 
He controlled how I looked and what I wore. Then it was controlling when I left the house and eventually what I thought. Full spoilers ahead, just because I'm by myself, and so when it's me and JB, we can kind of bounce around spoilers for a minute and then go into spoilers, but it's just me, so I'm just going to get right into it. This movie was fucking amazing. This is, it surprised me so much, especially Blumhouse just dropped Fantasy Island like two weeks before this, and it was horrible, and it, I, I needed this as a palate cleanser. Uh, we also got the Candyman trailer, which I know I should have talked about in the news, but I really want to wait and talk with that to JB, so anyone who's looking... And wondering why I didn't talk about that in the news section. I'm waiting to talk about that with JB or drop that as his own video. Uh, so check out the YouTube. But it, um, this movie, I think, from the outset, from the very first scene, when we see her leaving and packing and just her reactions to it. Because he really didn't, until he ran up into the, to the car, we didn't get to see him do much. But at the beginning of the scene, when we see her just frantically trying to get out of there and telling the dog she's sorry, she can't take him. And just the, her reactions to him possibly hearing uh, her and getting in her sister's car, it completely set the tone that lets you know she's been through some shit. And it's, it's, it's way further in the movie that we actually get confirmation that he actually hit her and beat her. But they completely let this, the, the tone of this movie speaks for itself. It completely puts you in that mindset. And then when we get her and see that she's like basically has PTSD when she's staying with, with her friend. It was like, okay, I, I really see, I really see where this is going. Um, I don't know. It's just that right there. Let me knew that I was in for something different uh, than what I expected coming into the invisible man. Yeah. The trailer looked great, but I didn't really know what the tone of it was going to be. And it's, it is different from the trailer. This is not a horror movie. This is really a psychological thriller with horror elements. And me and JB talk a lot about how, we everything kind of gets thrown into this horror genre if it has any tinge of it and this was i think labeling it as a horror movie really does a disservice for what it does it really breaks you down especially when we live in a time of me too and i get it people saying this is the the me too or the social justice warrior uh film but it it shows you the psyche of a woman who has been through abuse and been through something traumatic and for a while there i honestly thought briefly and don't, don't get me wrong. I saw the trailer that they may pull something to where this is actually all in her head. And I think that if they, they could have easily done that in this movie, wouldn't have suffered from that at all. But when we see like her, like the first time she's kind of looking around the room, like something doesn't feel right. You know, how like you can feel the presence of somebody in the room with you. They they set those tones so well. And they showed how he was breaking down her psyche. And this is go ghost lighting one-on-one like if you look at this movie this is really what it's like to be ghostlit and so in that in that opening scene then when she finds out that he's quote-unquote dead and his brother is reading the will and saying as long as you're of sound mind and you don't get arrested for anything they're foreshadowing what he's doing there what what is going to be attempted like um adrian griffin who who is the invisible man here and uh, elizabeth moth 
Moss, who's, who plays Cecilia, um, I think they did a good job with casting someone to as the Invisible Man that a lot of people don't know. I know I know him from um, The Hounding of Hill House and a few other things, but they really just, the writing in this film was so great. So we get that. We see her like thinking something's going on and she started thinking no he has to be around he told me xyz he told me that he would be able to walk up right next to me and i wouldn't see him and they keep layering this in that he was the leader of optics like he was like in in that field he was the world leader in optics and so you start getting these seeds planted you just start seeing her break down just worrying what's going on and it all culminates in this scene where she goes up to this attic and and we see it you kind of think like they, they play with your expectations, right? You think that, oh, he's going to probably pull away the ladder and she's going to be stuck up there or, or whatever. And she's seeing, she's looking, she's like, what is going on? She pours that pain. And yeah, it's in the trailer. But when you see it in the film and the way that it goes down, it's, it's really shocking and jittering. And then when she passes out and wakes up and like he's cleaned up all the paint and then he chokes her, he lifts her up in the kitchen. He completely breaks her down mentally. And that goes into the scene my favorite scene in the movie and it's a very simple scene uh, so early in the film he uses her computer to send an email to her sister talking crazy shit um and that really breaks down their relationship eventually she has dinner with her sister when she's at like her worst and when she t- is about to tell her what's happening with adrian being able to turn invisible because at this point in the film she's found the suit she's found the extra suit in this house she's broken in the house she knows for a fact he's invisible and how he's doing it and when she's about to tell her sister, we see the knife lift up, cut her sister's throat and and cr- come back in her hand. And what they do differently than other movies and how they would have handled this is that most movies would have had her stand up and scream. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. And you start. But instead, what you see is you start seeing the people, the other people in the restaurant look over in shock, like what just happened? And she's just sitting there holding the knife in complete shock, not, doesn't utter a word, doesn't say anything, doesn't try to say, no, it wasn't me, because she knows no one is going to listen to her. And she knows how it looks. And when we get her in the sane asylum and she's like, no, he could be here. It, it, like, it's, it was, I, I listen, I'm a, a fan of the movie Hollow Man, right? And sue me or not. But I think, honestly, this may be the best movie that uses that trope of somebody being invisible. Um in a horror sense, in a thriller sense, because of 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 just Elizabeth Moss and how she portrays this role, hands down, like this right now, of course, is the best horror movie of 2020 to me. Um, it may be the best movie I've seen of 2020 so far, to be quite honest. And it's just like I did not know what to expect of this movie. And then, so we still haven't even gotten to the end. So one of the things that he's also done, we talked about the emails that he sent. But there's also times she's she she's staying with a friend. His name is James, played by Aldris Hodge, who that man needs more more roles because I think he's a really good actor. Um, But she's in the room and she's been sharing the room with his daughter. And they're the only two in the room. She's all the way on the other side of the room. But the daughter gets hit. Adrian, the invisible man, hits her. And of course, the daughter, even though she was on the other side of the room, immediately is like, you hit me. And like, it's I don't know. I know I'm gushing over this movie right now. And it was just so much good in it. And to the when we get to the end, towards the end, when she is in the insane asylum, I believe is where they had her at. And she knows he's in the room and she stabs him and his suit starts malfunctioning. And it, and it, then that's when the movie switches. Right. It switches tones again, because at that point we know he's invisible. She knows he's invisible. Now other people have seen him. He's had to kill cops and and people in the hospital or whatever to get out. 
And this whole like action scene breaks out with him with with the Invisible Man and cops fighting him, shooting them, them looking like what the fuck is going on? Like some like another one comes and even looking at her like you need to uh, don't move. But you can see the the way that the actors portrayed is that he's trying to process like wait a second, I'm looking at her and I know that couldn't have just been her. And this they just do such a great job at at just everything in this movie. And when that last part comes, that becomes basically like an action movie scene with him fighting so many people and him choking her like, this is on you. He, she, he says he's going to go kill uh, Aldous Hodge's daughter. And we see them in the house. And she, the daughter who had got hit previously before, wakes up and she's just in the room like, wait a second. She grabs like mace and spray, just sprays. And he comes in the house too. And he gets his ass beat, the father. And then uh, uh, Elizabeth Moss comes in the house and she shoots him. And I'm thinking this is a great ending because he he's, his shoots his suit's malfunctioning. He's coming in and out of being invisible. She shoots him like three times, three or four times, dead in the chest. I'm like, well, this movie's over. And they, and uh, it's one of those things. Like we, if you've ever read my review, my written review for Glass, or heard me talk about the movie, I say how the ending in that movie really ruined what was a pretty solid movie. And I was worried that that was going to happen here. So she shoots him. And as she's shooting him, it's like, oh, that was, that was kind of easy. She goes, takes off the mask. Turns out it's actually the brother, the one who, the brother who had read her the will early in the movie. And actually he had said too, how the brother basically abused him. He was always under the foot of the brother. And so you're wondering then, like, he helped help gaslight the hell out of her. And so they, they play it off for a second, like, wait a second, was it the brother this whole time? What was the point of that? And then they turned out and they find Adrian Griffin, who is the invisible man, the main guy in this movie, uh, locked up. And you're just like, oh, they're trying to do too much. He She goes and has dinner with him and they're talking. She's trying to get him to admit it on recording for the cops. He won't. He knows what's going on. She excuses herself and goes to the bathroom. And then we see him get his cut, his uh, throat cut and he, well, he cut his own throat and she put on the other suit that we saw in the movie. Now, how did she get it? Because I don't, we, she couldn't have taken it earlier, but that twist right there, if, we, if we're going to call that or label that a twist, it kind of, I don't know. I feel like it cheapened it a little bit. I think that it could have been a better ending than that. Almost. I would have rather they didn't even do the brother, the brother switch. I, I, I would have liked it to end kind of where it did and it actually be Adrian who got shot in the chest, but that's not where it go. It, it didn't completely ruin the movie for me. It just was, it was interesting the way that they decided to go with that. But overall with this movie and this film, it's just, it was a really good movie. And I think everybody needs to go see it. If you're listening to this, like I said, it was full spoilers, but for the performances for Elizabeth Moss's performance, if nothing else, you need to see this movie. And if you like psychological movies that make you think and put you in the head of somebody, this movie did such a great job at putting you in the mind of a woman who had been abused and who's been traumatized. Now, coming off of that, I do like that. That's kind of the recap of the movie. But I want to talk about some of the other things in the film, at least one aspect specifically. So this movie was directed by Lee Wanell, who uh, has been in The Conjuring. No, Insidious movies. He also was he helped create the Saw franchise. And he's a really great director. In the sense that early on in this movie or throughout this movie, before we know the Invisible Man's official or we see him or anything, they do these panning shots and he shoots it as if somebody's in the room. And it really that's what helps contribute to the tone of this film, because something always seems off the way that he shoots and sets certain. And as me getting into like directing short films and trying to look at this more, but the way that he frames certain certain shots, it seems jarring at first or kind of weird, kind of just off a little bit. 
because it's, he frames it as if it's two people in the room and it's one. And that's because it, the Invisible Man was probably in those scenes uh, in continuity. But the fact that, that they went to that detail to frame certain shots as if somebody else was in the room before we even know that the Invisible Man is there. We don't even know if he's no, if he knows where Elizabeth Moss's character is. Um, the fact that they went to that length and went to that detail really says that Lee Warnell as a director really had a vision for this film and we knew that uh, i think johnny depp was originally like supposed to play the invisible man when they were trying to get the dark universe off the ground now this movie isn't part of that um so i don't want to confuse that but he had a vision for this and sometimes we see these um and me and jb talk about it a lot we see these movies that have name recognition or that are pre-set pre-existing franchises and it's easy to think that it's just a cash grab but the it was really a completely, completely different take from most Invisible uh, Man movies. And it was a suit in this one. I don't even know if I got into that. So in this movie, the Invisible Man isn't invisible because of like permanently. It's actually a suit that he puts on. And the suit looks really cool. And there's actually, uh, if you Google it, there was like a prototype of someone trying to build a suit like this in real life not too long ago. And the way that it works is that it's the suit is all like mirrors and, and optics. And so if it, it to the if you're behind them, it's projecting what's in front of them to the person to whoever's looking behind them in the opposite from all angles. So it makes them appear invisible um, because of all the little cameras and every and projectors that are on it. And I kind of it's different. But I for what they did in this uh, in this film, how they wanted to tell that Adrian was such a manipulative person and a controlling person. It made sense. In, it made sense in that way that they would do it um, and tell the story that way. It just. You know, it being a suit, it takes a little bit out of it uh, for that supernatural vibe. But this is uh, it's not really a supernatural movie. It's more of a science fiction movie in that sense. So let's see if JB liked it. But um, and so the suit is more of a, of a science fiction type trope in this movie. That's why I say I don't really like just labeling it as horror. But it was it was different. And it was such a unique take on the writing and directing of this movie. Um, and it, it sucks that he died. But I mean, the suit's still out there. I would not mind seeing a sequel to this at all now i don't want to see them go the route of elizabeth moss now going crazy or anything and and she being the invisible woman but um if they have an interesting take i really think that they can continue to build off this um and you know this is another movie from blumhouse this one is actually hit whereas fantasy island wasn't and this is the stuff type of stuff that i like seeing blumhouse do when they put people into projects that are clearly passionate and have a vision for it and then they um release it let's talk about some box office so this movie was made for only seven million dollars. And it's I would really like to see. And I said this in watching the movie, how they did the scenes. Did they have her actually playing off someone and they just digitized, like digitally took them out? Or was she really acting against nothing in this movie? Because when you think about it, if they were able to if they did not have somebody in there that they had to go in and digitally remove. That's probably what helped keep the budget down. And that just speaks to how great Elizabeth Moss is as an actress. But on that $7 million budget, uh, the first week they grow $62 million, And this is what Blumhouse does great is that they make these movies for very cheap and they gross high. And this movie is going to be a huge profit. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see a sequel. Um, but if Lee Wanell and the writers on this movie, if this is the... Oh, Lee Wanell was also the writer on this movie. So that's off to him there. I know he wrote Saw as well. So like... If he can come up with something, I'm all for seeing it at this point. But I'm also, like I kind of said when we talked about Fantasy Island, I'm also fine with them taking that budget that they will put into a sequel and finding some an, another new thing that somebody's passionate about and just keep it coming like that. Um, 
yeah, just a great movie. Great movie overall. I really ain't got much else to say about it. If you can't tell, like it was just um, for a rating because I know JB likes uh, us to have ratings out of 10 for a project that he's working on. I'm honestly going to give this an eight and a half. This was an eight and a half film to me. Um, I think everybody should go see it. Like I said, this is definitely the best uh, horror movie because that's what it's, it's technically being labeled. But I think not only that, this was probably the best movie I've seen in 2020 so far. I have to go back over and see exactly everything that I've seen um in 2020 because like the end of 2019 and the beginning of this year all melding together for me but i can easily say this is probably this is easily in the top two if there's something that i'm forgetting um of movies that i've seen in 2020 so that's my thoughts on it i'd love to hear how you guys feel about it um let us know how you feel you can uh follow us at the film bros pod you can also send us any feedback questions comments concerns the film frequency pod at gmail.com you can also check out our wonderful facebook group where we talk about movies tv everything there i uh, just searched the film frequency on facebook if you want to follow me individually you can follow me at ceo hayes it's at ceo h-a-i-z-e if you want to follow jb you can follow him at the prodigal one jb on twitter uh that's it for jb for the film frequency i'm hayes and i'm out peace Turn. I let my blunt burn. Police writing down my tags like I'm concerned.